Hey everybody, welcome to the New Market Alliance Church podcast, where you're invited to not just attend church or watch church, or in this case, listen to church, but actually go and be the church. For everything you need to know about our community, be sure to go to newmarketalliance.ca and maybe even drop us a line to let us know you're listening. We read everything you send and we'll be sure to get back to you. Our worship service happens every Sunday at 10 a.m. in person or streaming online. We want you to know you absolutely matter to God and you absolutely matter to us. Everyone is welcome and wanted. Now, let's join today's teaching. We are uh, in this series called We Are Knack and uh, asking the question, what does it mean to be part of this specific church? And maybe I would argue, what does it mean to be part of this big C global universal, timeless church. And we talked about a people who desire to know Jesus in fullness, to abide in him, to learn about him, to get closer to him. We want to be a community that grows together, uh, fellowshipping one another, ring each other, spurring each other on, and that ultimately we would go and be the church, uh, come into the world, represent Jesus, be light to others on mission, uh, not just going to church, but being the church. And that encompasses really the big takeaway. But there was just a few more topics I wanted to kind of fit in this vision series and wanted to be sure to cover. Last week, Chris talked about us being a praying church. And today I want to look again at, at Acts 2, the earliest Christian church and and see what kind of church they were. And it says in verse 42 that they devoted themselves to the fellowship. Skip ahead, all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and good they gave to anyone as he had need. You're talking to Brittany this morning and just the inflation and cost of living, if it continues on this trajectory, I mean, like, we may truly have to live like this, sharing everything. And by nature, I know that humans are self-centered and selfish. But Jesus said, I'm calling you to something higher. I want you to contribute into the lives of others. So for those of you that are, are kind of around my age, you know, youngish, you'll remember, uh, you'll remember this growing up if you enjoyed a fast food hamburger every now and then. Uh, to all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a... <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you remember that growing up. It, it, was, uh, it was a promise that if you walked into any McDonald's restaurant and you ordered a Big Mac, you knew exactly what you would get. It would be to all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese. Yeah, every single time, guaranteed. The millennials are like, what, is this a, is this a hymn that I have not learned or? Um, that's what you got every single time. Didn't matter what McDonald's in what country. Until something happened at another restaurant that literally started to change society. And uh, by the way, I have some weird nostalgic thing for Burger King. 
maybe because there isn't one in Newmarket and I only want what I can't have, but every time we go to past a Burger King, and you can ask my family about this, they, th- uh, they think it's weird, I could have just eaten a Thanksgiving meal, but if I see a Burger King, let's say at an on route uh, on the 401, and there's a Burger King, all of a sudden I want a Whopper. And uh, my family has the nerve to think it smells like cat food and tastes just the same. Anyways, I'm right about it. Let's just move on. Uh, Some of you remember the moment when the branding changed forever. It happened in the year I was born, 1973, when, when the Burger King changed everything and they came out with a slogan that would stick for many years. Does anyone remember? Where's the beef? No, Wendy's. <laughs> what? <laughs> Have it your way. Have it your way. Before Burger King, if you walked in and you ordered a hamburger, and on that hamburger there was two tomatoes and four pickles and lettuce and onions, that's what you were getting. And uh, Burger King comes along and says, hold, hold on, have it your way. Oh, hold the pickle? Yep. Triple the pickle? Sure. Hold the lettuce? Yep. Extra onions? That's cool. Have it your way. And some of you, you're born after 2000, you're going... Who cares? Trust me, this was a big deal, okay? It changed everything. And suddenly when you walked in, you were in control. I want extra pickles. I don't want any pickles. I want mayonnaise. Oh, I'm a mustard person. And all of a sudden, you were in charge. And now here we are, 40 years later, and the customer is king. And all of a sudden, we've become a consumer-minded society. I have choices. Companies are competing to meet my needs. It's all about what I want. I want to have it my way. And tragically, that consumer mindset, I think, has bled over to the local church. If you'll notice, there's a really common encounter that you'll have with people, and they'll say something like, oh, I'm kind of church shopping. I mean, even the language, I'm, I'm shopping for a church. And then what I'll hear oftentimes is, I just can't, I can't find a good church. I can't find a church that's right for us. I mean, I've looked everywhere. We've been to 79 churches in the, in the last six months. And I, I can't find, what do we say? I can't find a church to meet my needs. And this is incredibly common in our consumeristic mindset today. It's bled all the way into the local church. We're looking for a church, but we can't find one to meet our needs. And what I'm proposing is that we come back to the original Jesus dream of what it is to be the church, wherein we are not spiritual consumers, we are spiritual contributors. Why? Because we understand that the church is one of the only organizations that does not exist for its members. It does not exist for profit. It does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. I would love if everyone who calls NAC their home would just say this aloud with me. What are we not? We are not spiritual consumers. What are we, say it with me? We are spiritual contributors. Why are we spiritual contributors? Because we understand that the church does not exist 
for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. So how would you rate yourself on the consumer to contributor scale? Let me help you figure that out. If, if you're here with us in person today, you call Knack your, your home, you're a follower of Jesus, and you dropped your kids off to someone else, someone who is loving, serving your kids, and in turn serving you, not just by adding great value to, to your kids, but also giving you a little break. You're benefiting from that. Maybe you got a free cup of coffee and a cookie, and then you sat down in a seat that you didn't purchase, in a, in a building that you have not contributed to, heated and cooled by someone else's contributions, and you've come to enjoy everything, but you've never reciprocated. I'm just going to call it what it is. You've only benefited, but you've given nothing back. And I'll just come right out and say it in this message this morning. This is for you. I'm talking to you. This is not for our guests. This is not for those who are spiritually seeking or checking us out. It's for those who are Christ followers and say, um, I'm not sure I'm ready to contribute. I'm going to give you two really easy to remember points about your gifts for God's church. And the first one is really simple. I want all of you who are followers of Jesus to understand this, that God calls you to serve in his church. Uh, we're actually trying not to use the word volunteer around here because it's actually not really a biblical concept. Volunteer uh, implies it's an option. It implies that you're sort of the hero doing, doing it out of the goodness of your heart. The language is more of servant and serve. It's used all the time in scripture. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, give his life as a ransom for many. He took the posture of a servant when he rolled up his sleeves and his robe, put a towel over his arm and, and called us to do the same. God calls you if you're a follower of Jesus. You are gifted. You are called. You are set apart to use your gifts to make a difference in the church. The challenge is this, that most people don't really understand what the church is. And so what we need to make clear is that God never intended for us to think of the church as a building uh, the, the church has never been a building. God always intended the church to be his people. We, we don't go to church. We are the church. And, and we may use the language innocently. You know, I'm going to church, and that's totally fine. As long as we understand that the church is not the building, we are the church, and we are here for the world. In fact, just a little a little history. Why did we start to think of the church as a building? Um, you may not recognize this, but churches back in the day didn't even own buildings. And people really couldn't gather publicly until about 313 AD, uh, about 300 years after, after Jesus, when Constantine, he passed a law legalizing Christianity. But before 313 AD, literally in the fourth century, 300 plus years after Jesus, it was illegal for, for people to gather publicly. 
to worship Jesus. And, and they were generally persecuted for it. And also, any church couldn't legally own land or property because it wasn't recognized as a legal thing to do. And listen, by and large, I, I think it's a good thing for, for churches to be able to own or lease property because, you know, here we can gather legally uh, for now, uh, a disciple, train people, uh, build each other up, and then use this hub as a sending place, resending, releasing the church into the world to make a difference. But before that, people would not have even been confused that the church was a, a building. It was, it was totally and completely people. The, the ecclesia is, is the Greek word. The, it means the called out ones. The called out ones. Had nothing to do with a building. So, so technically, we are the church and we are here for the world. And, and so when Gus read from Romans 12, where it says his grace, in his grace, God has given different gifts for doing different things well. So if God has given you, and so now Paul's gonna list seven different gifts. There's way more than that, but he's gonna list seven as an example. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If God has given you the gift of serving others, then serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you a leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Prophecy, serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, leading, kindness, seven different gifts of many different spiritual gifts listed in scripture. And maybe you don't even know this morning how you have been gifted. I, I heard this illustration that it's a personality test of sorts. See if, see if you can play along at home. Uh, I hope you find this more helpful than cheesy. It was called the apple pie illustration. Are you getting hungry with all these food illustrations? You're like, why do I crave a Whopper and a hot apple pie right now? Um, basically, here's how it goes. Imagine I, Jonathan, am at a table and I'm eating an apple pie, and it's on the edge of the table, and before you can say anything to warn me, I stick my fork in it, and it falls into my lap, which is hilarious, I understand, and it's why I rank low in the compassion gift. But what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? If you say, oh, poor Pastor Jonathan, uh, here, let me help clean it up, I'll take care of that, you just stay still, and you immediately get to work with uh, cloth, and uh, you have the gift of serving. How, how many of you are like that? Some of you are too humble to even raise your hand, yeah. You love serving behind the scenes. I'm looking at Raquel, and Glenn Hunt, and Toby, and Andre, and Rex. Andre was under the stage one night by himself at like midnight, when he realized, if I, you know, have a heart attack under here, I may never be found again. So he's now gonna do it in tandem. Um, 
how about the one who says, oh, Jonathan, I can't believe what just happened. Here, I want to buy you another pie. And you know what? Let's have a round of pies for the whole table. Uh, some of you might be like that. Guess what? You, you have the gift of generosity. You are givers. And uh, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but that's one of the great qualities of, of givers. They, they don't want to be known as that. They just do it anonymously. And I, I don't know what people give the amounts in our church, but I have seen that generous spirit in, in people like Maya Norm and, and the Stewarts and the Rothrys and the Mayhews and the Briggs and my wife. And some would say, uh, when they looked at me covered in pie, they might say, hey, don't worry, we can get this organized in no time at all. You, you get uh, going over there and uh, you get doing this and beep, bop, boop, let, we'll get it done in 30 seconds. Who's like this? Anybody? Yeah. You, uh, they're kind of bossy. They have the gift of <laughs> leadership or administration and, and we see them all the time. I see it in not the bossy part. I see it in Keith and Michelle and Johan and Sherry and Jeff. Um, someone else might go, oh, PJ, don't worry about it, brother. I, I, I did that the other day myself, in fact. That's what I love about you. You're so real, you know, with apple pie running down your pants. Uh, you're an encourager. Who's like that? You love to make others feel encouraged. Yeah, I see that in... Jessica, and in Scott and Steph, and Jacob, and Heather. Uh, those of you who might say, oh, Jonathan, uh, I hurt with you. Um, I don't have this gift, so I can't even do it with a straight face. Uh, <laughs> I feel so bad. Oh. Um, <laughs> who's like that? You, you're... You're empathetic, you're kind, you're compassionate. Yeah, thank you for those people. Um, I don't really understand it. I hear it's a gift for the church. No, <laughs> Linda, Diane, Danita, uh, Liz, Miriam, uh, Mike. Some of you would say, you know what? There's really a better way to eat apple pie. I've been researching this and um, I've got a chart and there's seven steps. In fact, the original Hebrew word for uh, apple pie is translated hasha kamas luka or whatever. And um, some of you are like that. You have the gift of teaching. Yeah, Peter, Don, Rosemary, Bonnie, Heather, Sarah. And then some of you might say, uh, Jonathan, I feel like God might be saying, lay off pie for a while. <laughs> you have the gift of prophecy. <laughs> you say hard things. You see things that others don't. You're in tune with deeply spiritual, sometimes encouraging, sometimes confrontational things. I'm thankful for, for Kelly and Monica and Paul and Cassandra and Shannon I pray that you will take the steps to discover how God has wired you if you don't know what your spiritual gifts would be. And some of you can sing and play instruments and 
You've got the gift of evangelism, maybe. On and on and on. God wants you to use your gift to minister to the church, to his people, for his glory. And all these people that I mentioned are spiritual contributors. They understand that God has called them to make a difference. And for those of you that are Jesus followers, God has given you gifts. He wants you to use them for the church. God wants every person to be an active, uh, difference-making person in the church. There is something for every person to do. Therefore, if you are not doing anything in the church, then there is something God wants done that is not being done. God wants his church to be full of people that are not, you know, what about me? Uh, Have it my way, but who are using their gifts to make a difference in the lives of others. So number one, God wants or calls you to serve in his church. But number two, not only do we serve in his church, that's so important, to build one another up, but you serve as his church in the world. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 5. You remember when we did the Sermon on the Mount series. It says in verse 14, you are the light of the world. Your light shines in the darkness. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine in all the world that people will see your good deeds, that you're committed to Christ, that you that you will make a difference, that people will care about this God you're serving, that they will see that you are loving them, that they may see your good deeds. Now, make no mistake about it, we are not saved by good deeds, okay? We are saved by grace through faith and that alone. We are not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works, And we are not saved uh, by good works, but as followers of Jesus, we are saved to make a difference in the world, uh, to be light, to be on mission with Jesus. So ask yourself, in the past seven days, how many people would know by the way you lived that you're different, that it's not all about you, that you are giving and serving and and making a difference in the lives of people that are not Jesus followers. Uh, Would anyone ask you, dude, what is is different about you? What makes you tick? Why why do you care about me? I can't believe you're so involved. I I can't believe you gave me something with no strings attached. Uh, I can't believe you're so involved in my life that you're loving me, that you're not judging me, that you... You care so much more than anyone else does. Why why is that? Because you are the light of the world. And we're not only called to serve in the church, we're called to serve as the church in the world. And I could tell you all kinds of stories about people in this room who are serving as the church in the world, but time doesn't permit. I actually believe that the government isn't even the best equipped group to 
to meet the needs that I'm talking about. I, I hope that doesn't offend anyone, but I believe the church is the best equipped group of people to meet the needs of the world today, the local church. And the government kind of stepped in because probably the church didn't step up. And I believe that's when the church who sees itself as God's calling to be light in a dark place that people will look up and say, I, I don't really understand all of what they believe, but man, they sure believe it. And they sure do love. Yeah, you see, in my mind, I still have a vision for a church that is greater than what we see today. I have a vision for a church that loves others more than we've been loved. I have a vision for a people who serve more than we've been served. I have a vision for a church that gives more than we have received. I, I have a vision for a group of people so overwhelmed with the love of God that we love and accept people right where they are, but we love and point them to Jesus who will forgive and heal make them new. I have a vision for a church where every single person in the body of Christ sees themselves as part of the body of Christ, that no one comes and just consumes, 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 but they recognize we are the church. I've got gifts. I've got a calling. I cannot, after all, uh, God has done for me uh, simply be a consumer. There is something better. I have, a, I have, like Jesus said, a food that many people don't understand. And what is that food? To do the work of my Father who sent me in the lives of others. I have a vision for a group of people that not only serve in the church, but serve as the church in the world. That if our church were not in this community, that people would be so upset. Where did that knack people go? They were doing so much. They were making such a difference. I want us to have that kind of impact. And even if they don't believe in the Jesus we believe in, they couldn't deny that he's impacted our lives and that what we believe is real. Uh, we do believe God has called us to something more. We are not spiritual consumers. We are spiritual contributors because... The church does not exist for us. Who are we? We are the church, and we exist for the world. Father, I, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would stir hearts in your church today. God, that years from now, there would be ministries born, lives changed, because uh, your Holy Spirit did something in the hearts of, of your people today. God, um, we fight against the have it your way, uh, uh, have the church meet our needs mentality. God, we recognize that Jesus did everything possible for us on the cross. And the only reasonable response from his followers is to give our gifts, to, uh, to stir people. God, um, may we use our gifts for your church, uh, for your glory for us to be the light of the world. As you just take a moment to pray with me and nobody looking around, if you desire to be a true 
spiritual contributor, making even a greater difference than you are, would you just step out in faith a little bit? Uh, You say, God has set me apart. He's put gifts inside of me, certain talents. He, he, He wants you to be the church. All of those who would say, I want to be a greater spiritual contributor, making a difference for God, Um, I want to be an even greater contributor to God's kingdom. Would you just lift your hand right now all over this place? Amen. Amen. Hands all over this place. Uh, God, we recognize that you've called us as imperfect as we are. And any church is full of imperfect people, but we are your church. And God, you have called us to be light in the world. So stir our hearts, I pray. Break our hearts for what breaks yours, I pray, that we, would, that we would impact the world. Everything we would do for your kingdom cause, showing the love of Jesus that people might praise, might glorify your name. We're going to respond in song, but you have that card. Most of you have a card. And I, this is not pressure. Some of you are serving in eight different capacities. This is not for you to kind of pick a ninth. But some of you maybe are ready to step up and say, I need to serve in one of these broad categories. And uh, fill that out. Maybe you didn't get a card. They're right by this, this, uh, this servant, uh, and the ushers have some. Um, they're by this servant display board over here. Uh, of course, we have this big servant orientation next week we'd love even if you have never served come and find out what it's all about you get a lunch and you'll get inspired and maybe you'll learn how to run a camera or uh, work with tiny treasures Um, we need you and more than that I think you need to serve it is one of the best ways to get involved one of the best ways to meet people one of the best ways to scratch that itch that we all have of feeling like we have a place, we have something to offer the world. We stand with us as we say, break our heart, Lord, for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom cause. In Jesus' name. There is therefore now no condemnation. If you feel some guilt trip, this was not the point. I just believe that the time is short. The workers are few. We we need all hands on decks to, to fulfill this vision and mission that we believe God has given us. I even think of my buddy Jose here who worked as in leadership all last night with the Nase Spanish church. And he's, you know, everybody's coming to him with questions. And he just wanted to serve because he likes to serve without the mantle of leadership. So he's like, can I help out on Sunday morning? And so that's the kind of joy, that's the kind of spirit that can come with, with serving. Uh, thanks for coming to church. Let's, let's go be the church. God bless you. Your love people.